You're listening to The Network's podcast, where we talk all things marketing and digital. I'm your host, Lisa Ma, and I'm part of the team who run the face-to-face Networks events across Brisbane, Australia. We're now bringing this great content to you, the listener. Each episode is a live recording of a past panel discussion. If you like what you hear, the magic of these events is still being in the room and making connections in person. To check out when the next live event is on, visit networksevents.com.au or find the link in the show notes. If you've been listening to our podcast up until now, you'll have noticed that each episode was over an hour long, which is a long time to listen in one sitting. Moving forward, we've changed up our show format so that you can enjoy the content in three short episodes. So you're now listening to part A of our inbound marketing conversation, where we'll be setting the scene. Happy listening. Welcome to Networks. We love holding these events because they're informative yet relaxed, not to mention held in funky or unique venues around Brisbane. We're now in our 14th year and I'd now like to introduce you to your panel facilitator this evening, James Gorsey. James is the senior digital lead with the team at Personalised Plates Queensland and is passionate about strategy, innovation and value delivery. Would you please put your hands together and welcome James. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And thanks to Jess and the team at WeWork for giving us this wonderful venue. Can you please give him another huge round of applause, please? So, uh, it's certainly a different feel uh, in, in WeWork as opposed to our usual venues. Uh, I think it, um, it lends a really nice atmosphere. So thanks very much for coming out and making your way on this rainy evening. It, uh, it's always a little bit inconvenient, so thank you very much for braving the weather. Uh, we've got a really great panel uh, set up for you uh, on our topic tonight, uh, which is inbound marketing. Um, just a quick show of hands. Who is actively using inbound marketing strategies at the moment? Uh, it's about 50% or oh, maybe 30, 30 to 50%. So what we're going to do is um, we're, we're going to uh, be, uh, try to be as straightforward as possible with some of the concepts that we're working with um, and then give you a bit of an idea about uh, what infrastructure you might use. Um, I'm not an expert in this. Uh, I'm, I'm a project manager by trade. Uh, I am working uh, with some of these concepts now, Personalised Plates Queensland, because as you may know, you buy a plate once, you want it forever. So we acquire customers and then it, it, you know, we just let them go, like go away, see you later. So we, we have to find out new ways of how to bring people back to our ecosystem and, and into our community, give them excuses uh, to come back to our website and uh, find ways to deliver value to them. So this is going to be particularly useful for me. I'm getting a bit of free consulting from some of the best in the business in, uh, in Brisbane. Um, and without further ado, I'd like to introduce them to you. So first up, we have Tyson Cobb, Director of Strategy at Business Depot Marketing. He's a B2B marketing strategist, inbound marketing specialist, and a content marketing enthusiast. I, that's very snappy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tyson. Take a seat. Uh, next up, we have Deanna Jurisic. Uh, she's the CEO and film producer at Apollo Films. Uh, combining her experience in the film industry, uh, you, may not, may, you may know, you may not know that she used to be a stunt woman uh, in a 
previous life uh, and combining that film industry experience and business. She produces web commercials, educational videos, online sales and marketing videos. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Deanna. Come on up, Deanna. Take a seat. Uh, finally, we have uh, Lucas Meadowcroft, co-founder and chief visionary officer at Crofty. He has a reputation for developing business strategies, incubating new business models, and implementing new and innovative ideas. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Lucas. Um, all right, so uh, let's cover what we're going to uh, talk about this evening. Uh, we have a nice handy slide for this. Um, we're going to have a chat about how to make leads and sales come to you, uh, which is kind of one of the fundamental tenets of inbound marketing. Uh, some of the latest trends and tactics, so we'll tap into the brains of, of our experts. Um, we're going to cover the modern inbound marketers toolkit how video is changing the game. We have a video specialist with us this evening, which is fantastic. And we're going to have a bit of a chat about where inbound might be going next. Um, so let's get stuck into it. And uh, as uh, we saw earlier on, I asked for a show of hands how many people uh, know what inbound marketing is or are currently using uh, inbound marketing strategies. So I thought we'd uh, start off by getting a quick definition what even is inbound marketing, Tyson? So, um, I guess to really understand what inbound marketing is a lot better, um, for those who don't know what it is, is to have a look at traditional marketing and the way um, marketers approach that. And it's traditional marketing in terms of TV advertising and radio and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's very interruptive. Um, it's about pushing a message onto somebody at the time that is convenient for the brand. And those interruptions, the tolerance for those interruptions are becoming uh, lower by consumers. And the ability to actually block them out is becoming a lot higher. And technology is playing a big role in that, I think. Um, if you think about uh, TV versus uh, you know, streaming services like Netflix, radio versus podcasts. Um, Cold calling uh, versus the caller ID, it's easier to screen those calls now. So I guess technology has really turned that on, on its head. And the solution to brands actually um, kind of solving that problem of getting in front of consumers and gaining their attention is inbound marketing. And inbound marketing is more, I guess, permission-based, where you're kind of earning the right to gain the attention of your target market, of an audience. And... Um, really helping and adding value to, in, to enrich their lives. And how you do that, I guess, is it's kind of matching the way you market to the way people live. And how you do that is kind of using content. So content is really what fuels inbound marketing. And this isn't a panel on content marketing, but content is a big, uh, big part of inbound marketing. Historically, it was really expensive to create content for businesses, um, for TV. It you know, costs a lot of money. Radio costs a lot of money. Um, it just wasn't a cost-effective um, strategy for small, well, small to medium-sized businesses. Um, so with inbound marketing, it's a lot easier. It's a lot cheaper to create this content. Uh, things like you know, blogging, obviously, uh, e-books, podcasts, webinars, video... Um, all sorts of different online co uh, content formats. And 
it's got obviously it's got to be good content and people are naturally drawn to good content good content will be found and the internet does a really good job of kind of funneling people to that content so I guess it's content, you know, in a nutshell, inbound marketing is using content to engage, uh, sorry, to attract, engage, and then delight our customers and using technology to facilitate that process. Attract, engage, and delight our customers. It's a good little nutshell set of uh, terms there, I think. Um, so a lot of times we hear about inbound marketing uh, from a B2B perspective, um, high consideration process uh, uh, purchases for, for businesses. Um, is it just B2B or does it bleed over into B2C? Like what's the, what's the split? Um, does it saddle both? Or like if, if for example, uh, a consumer brand wanted to use inbound marketing, would, should they, would they? I guess it really depends on what they want to achieve. I mean, um, yes, absolutely, it's still relevant for B2C. Um, with B2B, obviously, I specialise in B2B. Um, it's a lot longer in terms of the decision-making process for somebody to make a purchase. Um, it takes a lot of time to nurture that relationship and to build that trust within um, a consumer. With B2C, I mean, people don't like to be sold to anymore. I mean, I can't remember the last time I walked into a men's clothing store where I haven't actually, if someone hasn't tried to sell to me, and I don't, I don't really like it unless I'm actually looking for something. If I'm browsing, I don't want to be sold to. Consumers, you know, they're more than capable to make a decision themselves. They got, mm. you know, we're in a information abundance and attention scarcity society. Yeah. So, um, you know, consumers are more than capable of making decisions themselves. But if a B2C company kind of, if that brand is engaging with someone long-term... Consumers want that trust with a brand. As much as uh, we always hear that, you know, that, that distrust with big brands and that sort of stuff, but that's still people talking about trust with brands. So consumers still crave that trust with a brand. If they're communicating with them on an ongoing basis and creating value, uh, trying to enrich the lives of people without selling to them, uh, then it benefits the brand in a big way, uh, more so from a brand equity perspective. Mm. But um, it also benefits B2C companies from like SEO and that sort of stuff as well, you yeah. know, being found on the internet. Um, so yeah, I definitely think it's absolutely as relevant for B2C as is B2B. Excellent. And, and in terms of infrastructure and tools and the, the things that we might expect to use to, uh, I guess, uh, enact an inbound marketing strategy, uh, what should we expect to have, Lucas? I mean, you do a lot of technology implementation. Um, you work with businesses to use technology better. Um, what kind of tools have you encountered that uh, are an effective part of a, an inbound marketer's toolkit? There's a, yeah, there's a plethora full of uh, tools out there on the market that uh, and most of you guys would, would have come across uh, plenty of these uh, tools. The one thing that with, before I get into the answer your question, the one thing we find in any organisation we work with when it comes to uh, implementing tools or technology to, uh, to use not just for inbound marketing for your entire organisation is most people see it as a silver bullet. Uh, and we need to take a back step and go, well, the tool that we're implementing is literally a tool. We need to then use the tool to the best of our uh, benefit to get the, um, the outcome. And so uh, a key point is uh, most organizations use their systems, and, and I, I'm happy to have a show of hands here, 7% is the key number that you're using your tool in your business right now, which means there's a huge opportunity 
in the existing systems you're using before you even go to market to find, find new tools. Uh, so we look, if we talk about inbound marketing or we talk about um, conversations or education with our, uh, our potential organisations uh, or um, consumers, uh, the, the most common ones that we're seeing and implementing on a daily basis is, is HubSpot and ActiveCampaign. Um, most of you guys would have uh, hopefully aware of these two products. Uh, but then you've got the traditional ones for older organizations that have got Salesforce in place. Uh, and then uh, if you're a bit smaller organization, you might, you might not be able to afford uh, systems. So you might be using MailChimp. Uh, but at the end of the day, I won't say they're all the same. They're just a tool, right? So we need to be able to use it to the best of our ability. We have organizations that approach us that they've already spent their you know, 20, 30, 50 grand on, on technology. They're not using them. Uh, and so you might as well just honestly go back to spreadsheets because you know, if you're not going to get the outcome out of using the, uh, the actual system, then uh, yes, you know, spreadsheets and MailChimp will, will get the job done, um, honestly. <laughs> uh, does that answer your question? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, a, it's refreshing to hear that if you're not using a tool, why would you pay for it? And um, I've been at a conference the last couple of days, uh, a, an online retail conference down in the Gold Coast, and a lot of what we're talking about down there is tool bloat. Um, we've got too much technology lying around that nobody's using, right? So it's important to get back to basics sometimes, I suppose, is the message there. We, first thing we do when we analyze an organization, there would be at least 15 to 20 products in a company not being utilized. Mm -hmm. Literally money going down the drain, thousands of dollars a month on technology that's just sitting there. Mm. Because what happens is, uh, not just technology bloat, but exciting. So you go to an event, you hear, it, hear an app, download the app, you pay for the app, you sign up to it, and it just sits there. There's no plan, there's no, there's no project uh, plan around it. And so if you've got multiple people in the organization doing this, next minute you've got all these tools. Sounds um, like that tool vendor had a really good yeah. inbound marketing strategy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I digress. Um, so what are other elements of infrastructure? I mean, you, you can talk about things like CRM and marketing automation systems and things like HubSpot or Marketo and, and that kind of stuff. Are there other elements of infrastructure, Tyson, in your experience that are important to have uh, when, you're, when you're starting out as an email marketer or, or that you need to revisit and go back to uh, in order to be effective? Well, I, uh, I'm actually going to contradict what Lucas just said, sorry, mate, um, with the spreadsheet thing, just because uh, I see yes, a lot of businesses... Uh, yes, I don't want to create a debate, <laughs> but uh, I see a lot of businesses who kind of... Um, you know, I work with a lot of small businesses and they don't really have any infrastructure in place at all. They... They think they do, and it's usually that kind of typical one that you see up there, that they do have a spreadsheet, they've got a project management system, they may be using MailChimp or Vision 6. Uh, they've got social media that's kind of pointing back to their website, but nothing is really talking. Nothing's really working together. And I think today, as a marketer, um, or as a business owner who doesn't have a marketer, but you want to see your data, you want to be able to make smart marketing decisions. You can't do that if there's no data to look at. If you've got a, uh, so again, sorry, Lucas, but if you've got a spreadsheet there, there's no data to have a look at how your marketing is performing. Um, from an inbound marketing perspective, you really need to see what's working and what's not. You need to see your conversion rates and all this sort of stuff. So that's why an ideal infrastructure is uh, this one over here. And it's one that I take clients through um, quite often. And it's kind of removing the website as that focus area. And having your CRM as your marketing nerve center. So that's where all your data needs to live and it needs to be talking to everything else and everything else needs to be talking to it. Um, obviously, there's you know, some 
ones that will funnel through other things like social media through to your website, through to your database, and then your database through to your email, and then vice versa. It's not a complicated thing, I think, these days to get an infrastructure set up like this where everything's automated and everything's talking to each other. Um, I just think a lot of businesses go wrong with having that typical one where they don't really have anything integrated. And I think it's really letting them down that they aren't able to... That's where people go, my marketing's not working, I'm spending a lot of money on Google ads and social media advertising, but I'm getting nothing from it. It's because they can't see the results. They can't see, they can't measure. You, you can't really measure if you don't have any infrastructure in place. Um, you can have a look at Google Analytics and that sort of stuff, but your CRM is kind of that... That's a brain of your marketing um, infrastructure. It's so kind of your, your single view of your customer. 100%, and and yeah. that's important to understand any kind of uh, return on investment on, on a touch point, I suppose. Um, right of reply, Lucas. Maybe you misunderstood uh, what I was saying. So I 100% agree. Um, what I was trying to get at is when you've got all these systems in place and they're not talking to each other, then it's just throwing money down the drain. Yeah. Um, and that's why I say, not that we recommend it to go back to spreadsheets, but uh, when people aren't willing to spend the time and effort and invest into their organisation to implement the systems or have them implemented in a way, then there's no point having them. And the other note, the other note is that it's, uh, when you're saying you throw money down the rain with uh, advertising and uh, across all socials, uh, people forget about their existing organisations and existing, existing customers they're working with. Uh, and that's a, if you've got that in your database, that should be your first point of call. You've got, you've got as you develop and go through, um, depends on what, you know, what stage and life cycle you're in your business, as you grow through you know, your, your first up to five years and up to 10 years and 20 years and onwards, um, you're developing new, uh, new products, new services, uh, and the customer that you onboarded five years ago doesn't know what you're doing now. So if you can re-educate your existing organisations, existing customers that you're working with, um, it's just a gold mine, and the amount of times we implement a system, we do some data and analytics around it. Uh, maybe you know, use Power BI or one of these um, BI tools. It's just insane the amount of money that's just sitting there. Yeah, um, it's always cheaper yeah. to retain a customer and, and continually delight a customer than it is to continually acquire customers, like we do at PPQ. So. Deanna, you've been extremely patient while the boys have been fighting. Uh, <laughs> uh, make sure your racket is uh, close to your mouth there. Um, so I was really interested at this point in understanding now that we, you know, theoretically we've got this wonderful infrastructure in place, we've got a single view of customer, uh, you know, we're ready, the stage is set. How do you work out who your audience is, and, and you specialise in audiences, you're a filmmaker, you understand what people want, what people engage with, what people are interested in. How do you identify an audience for a piece of content or, or, uh, or, or a film or, or take it away? How, how do we come up with the ideas and that sort of thing? Yeah. What, uh, to, what to create? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Okay, so what I usually do with the client is I'm our business is very much relationships based. So when we're talking about, you know, reselling to existing clients, a lot of our clients have been with us for five years now and we continually create content for these people. And I guess we build a relationship with them because we really take the time to get to know that business and who they are, how they tick, what their motivations are. We get you know, we find out what the purpose is of the business owner and all the people that work there. So we get very much into the mindset of who these people are. And this is, I think, the most interesting way to engage with viewers is 
if I, if I tell you my story and I tell you who I am and what my motivation was and, you know, I used to be a stunt woman and I've worked with The Rock and I was the double, the main female lead double on San Andreas and I start to tell you the, the experiences that I had there, you know, and, and, and everywhere that it's the lady's not saying lines, it's actually me. And, and then I went from that to starting to produce for some of my for some friends and then it just kind of built from there. You'll immediately start to get engaged with who I am and want to know more about my story. And this is this is the kind of the main thing that we do is we'll first start with these storytelling pieces. We by learning more about the business and and the owner what their objectives are and obviously what plans and things they have in place are very important too. So if they have a marketing strategy in place and they go okay, we need this content, we'll go ahead and and make that first. But we tend to really have that storytelling spin because we know that if you have a nice hook out there, you tell a beautiful story, uh, it's very much likely going to convert. Um, I'm very much sales-based, so again, I guess it's this, the automation is kind of a... and, and the technology-based selling is, a, is a another world and it clips in really well with the old school, getting to know people, building relationships, all that sort of stuff. So, so, so it's kind putting of that together is the best the best outcome at the end of the day. So. Sorry, I interrupted you there. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of building empathy for, yeah. for an audience it's in order to understand them. Yeah. Uh, and conversely, you're trying to build empathy for you as a business mm. owner or a business mm. person. Yeah, for example, we, do, we did a video for an orthodontist, right? So you could do a video for an orthodontist saying, yes, we make people's smiles beautiful and we straighten their teeth. Yeah, that's fantastic, but so does every other orthodontist in your area, right? So how are you different? How are you interesting. So I actually did a Google search on the owner and found out that he actually owns his own plane and in his spare time he flies out west, picks up people that can't make it to a hospital that are very ill and will actually fly them to a hospital and he pays for it all. And I was like, wow. So what kind of orthodontist do you want to look after your teeth and your family? Do you want the guy that pays and puts all of his spare time into helping others <laughs> or do you want the guy that's interested in making the most money per you know treatment plan that awful guy with the pliers just ready yeah, to rip so your it's, tooth out it just shows the, the care <laughs> factor and that personality is just so much more engaging Absolutely. and people don't leave this guy once they find him they don't leave and this is why so I found out the why and did video content on that and that's what we promote about him is actually who he is Lucas, did you have something to add there? Yeah. Uh, on that point, it's uh, what I said this earlier. Um, people, they see business as being difficult, but it's actually easy. People buy from people. Doesn't matter what product or service you have, people buy from people. And so, if you're building emotionally storytelling uh, type of content, and you can do this in any any formal means, then people got to buy from you because they they like you, they trust you, they build a relationship with you. It uh, doesn't matter what product or service you have, people buy from people. It's very true and I, I actually do a lot of travelling overseas to different marketing conferences and the big story at the moment is, you know, video used to have to be very short and people have a short attention span and this is what everybody's promoting in Australia. You go to America and they're like, well, it needs to be eight minutes long. And it's like, huh? <laughs> Who's got eight <laughs> minutes to watch a video, right? Uh, and that's what Ty Lopez and these guys that are some of the best marketers in the world were saying. People want to know who you are. And if you can tell an interesting story and keep them interested for that long, they're going to buy from you. 
So I was fascinated. It was very new information for me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode's content. If you'd like to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We love seeing how far our Australian podcast has reached around the world. A shout out to our listeners in the States, Germany and London and wherever you may be listening from. You can check out the show notes for more information about this episode and a link to an upcoming Networks event. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter and tune in soon for the next instalment.